0: Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Hairy Hobo, and welcome to another episode of A.K.A. Sports, here in Season 2, and with us, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Fletch. Fletch, hopefully your week has gone well, and this week's topics, obviously we'll be talking a little bit more about the NBA and the play-in games, along with some ideas about exactly what kind of matchups to look forward to in the actual playoffs, but before we get to that... A tell us how your week has been, and B tell us tell the people where they can find us.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to be back as well, man. Um, right now, man, everything's everything's kind of moving steady. Um, sports world is uh, kind of like we we talked about this a little bit. It's in flux right now, so we uh, got to enjoy the Masters, which was uh, uh it was anticlimactic, if you will. Tiger started off on a good round day one, and then um kind of a lot of people's pick from what I heard uh, or what should have been people's pick. Uh, I think the guy's name was Scheffler ended up winning winning the Masters getting his first major um and by a lot. So that was that was interesting over the weekend and then of course we had the uh the playing tournaments get started here to figure out these last couple season NBA. So we'll touch on that here soon. Um where you can find this though. Let's let's start there. You can find this first and foremost on Uh, Our platform, which is aka, or just excuse me, Anchor.fm/slash aka sports, or just go to the site, search us there as well. You'll have access to all of our links. We're on Twitter at aka sports pod. We're on Facebook at facebook.com/slash aka sports fb. We're also on YouTube. Look us up there, aka sports. Subscribe, like, share, and please comment to give us give us a shout out. Let us know what you might want to hear. Let us know if we're doing a good job or not. Give us some feedback, Uh, and more importantly, uh, podcasts is where you could find us so you can listen to us on the go. You can find us, again, on acre.fm slash aka sports, but as well on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcast site that you want to use. Totally up to you. Look us up. Check us out. Let us know what you think. Clark, we're going to kick it back over to you and get this shindig started.
0: Absolutely, and we've had a couple of play-in games here in the NBA world, so we have at least two teams that we know for sure is locked in as the seven seeds, both in the East and the West. Obviously, we still have a couple more games yet to go. And we still have the Pelicans versus the Clippers to decide the eighth overall seed to face off against the Phoenix Suns in the first round. And then we also have the Hawks of Atlanta versus the Cavaliers of Cleveland trying to face off against Miami in that first round. Uh, first and foremost, uh, tell the people your thoughts about those first play-in games, and then we'll just kind of go from there and see what kind of matchups we might be looking forward to come playoff time.
1: Sure, man. First and foremost, I want to lead with this. I am an advocate for the play-in tournament. Um, If you watch the game Minnesota versus the Clippers, that is why I am an advocate for the play-in tournament. Yeah, some games are not going to be that close. For instance, like the Hawks-Hornets game. Uh, But some games are going to kind of show you where teams are, very similar to the Nets-Cavs game. Um, So it's very interesting, as well as the Pelican-Spurs game kind of showed us where they were, too. And uh, just kind of moving to these games more specifically, um, I want to first and foremost talk, we'll kind of go in in chronological order here. We'll talk about the first game of the night um, of the opener, which was uh, Tuesday, and that was the Cavs-Nets. Um, kind of what we expected, to be honest with you, Clark, Jared Allen, uh, their all-star center was out, uh, big presence on the defensive side. and can definitely, you know, be a, uh, great pick and roll guy, decent post-up game, uh, can get you 15 to 20 points if necessary, uh, but also can get you 10 to 15 rebounds and probably block it anywhere between, you know, a, a shot, maybe three shots a game, you know, uh, and then alter maybe twice as many. So, I mean, when you're missing that. And you played that poorly um, early in the game. You got out to a 20 to 40 you know, deficit and still was able to come back and only lose the game by seven. It kind of showed us the Cavs are a really good team. They're very well coached. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving was just too much. I don't think Kyrie Irving missed the shot until late in the third quarter, Clark. <laughs> it was like, I think it was nine for nine at one point, And then he missed this next one and finished the game with 34 and 12. Um, and then I want to say Kevin Durant. He scored high 20s. Um, have to grab that to, to let you guys know where, where he finished that. But overall, man, that, that was a pretty solid game. Um, I'm very curious to see what the Cavs do next. But Clark, we'll move into the next game. For the record, KD had uh, 25 and 11 assists. Um, and actually, Clark, really quick, I'm not sure. Did you get a chance to check this game out? I did not, but I did see uh, via Facebook that uh,
0: the danger of the Nets when it comes to Kyrie Irving and uh, Slim Reaper working together and just how dangerous this team could be. Uh, Watch out, Boston. That is going to be a very interesting series, even though they are the seventh seed. It's more like a, almost feels like more like a 2 3 matchup almost.
1: Exactly. That's the kind of vibes I get as well. One thing to mention about this Brooklyn team too, man, uh uh Bruce Brown moving forward. I I've, I've I've given this guy a lot of flack in my in in the past, but um there's something to be said about his development this year and his role that he's playing this year. At this point, he's he's really the third fiddle. Uh he's kind of the other playmaker other than Durant and Kyrie where he's when 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 he, when the when when it gets late in the game, and teams are starting to trap and get the ball out of Kyrie's hand and out of Kevin Durant's hands. Bruce Brown is there, you know, top of the key from the three-point line to the free-throw line is kind of where he roams. So he gets free there, and then he's almost like a Draymond Green role. The next step for him then is to, you know, make his way towards the paint. And then essentially he's going to put that floater that he's basically, you know, that's his only shot, in my opinion, um, except for the occasional three. He loves that floater. Or he can just hit the big man that's that's there in the short corners, crashing into the basket. Um, Or if all else fails, you're still early in the shot clock. Get it back to KD or Kyrie and keep it pushing. Um, also, you can find Seth Curry on a three-point shot. So he's been playing that role very well, and that game was a testament to how he's been playing and when teams go small, like Boston does a lot of times and may have to with the injury to Robert Williams, that's going to be a huge, huge X factor in this next series, Clark. So that's one matchup I want you to keep in mind is Bruce Brown and not so much a matchup, but what he's able to do. And if he can make headway and play, not he doesn't have to give, put, put up 18, 9, and 8 um, and shoot almost 50% from the field, but he does need to play the way he played, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm just, it's one of those things that we'll talk about here in a little bit, just, you know, some of those exciting matchups to kind of look forward to, especially, um, you know, on the East side where things can kind of be a little bit more competitive on the West side might be a little bit more. If I had to guess, maybe, uh, maybe I'm speaking a little bit at turn is, was kind of thinking that there might be more of a more of a gap between these teams on the west side but
1: mm-hmm. no you're right you're nope. completely right yeah we'll see um, what happens yeah man i mean we, we talked about it too about a, a couple weeks ago and we'll talk about the standings really quick too i mean between teams gosh 1 through 10 in the east they were only 10 10 wins apart from each other miami had 53 wins charlotte had 40 not, uh, 43 wins so that goes to show you how well balanced the East is and also how deep the East is. You have 15 teams in the conference and 10 of them, two-thirds of the conference finished above 500. That's something to be said. And the only team in that whole in that top 10 that had a negative point differential was Chicago. And you can you can kind of chalk that up to injuries. You don't have Lonzo Ball most of the season. You you um uh don't have Zach Levine at various points in the season. Those are literally two of their top three to four players on the team. So, um, nonetheless, man, we'll get into the next game. That was the best game in a playing tournament. And that was uh, Minnesota versus uh, the Clippers. So, Clark, you know this. I'm on record for giving Carl Anthony Towns all kind of hell. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was giving him his props all season. I really was. Came out, won a three-point shootout, made the All-Star game. Minnesota had a winning record for the first time in a while, with the exception of the year they had Jimmy Butler. And he kind of let me down, man. He kind of proved me what I, what I thought was right. I've never seen him play very well in a big game. He Their team won because of D'Angelo Russell going for about 30. Anthony Edwards, who Clark is amazing. That kid is amazing. Like, and I can't stress this enough. Like the 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 contact that he's able to play through at his age, his skills, his skill set and the way he's able to create a shot. He has he might have the quickest first step in the league. He really might. Um, and he put on a show really at times in that game. He started off and put him up seven oh or seven two with the first seven points, cooled off a little bit and then came back really hot in the third in the second half, finished with thirty as well. But going back to Carl Anthony Towns, 0 for 7th in the first half and no points and two rebounds is unacceptable. 11 points for the game and fouling out with seven minutes left in the game and a one-and-done game is unacceptable. If it wasn't for those two guys that I mentioned earlier and Pat Beverly, they'll be playing the Pelicans tomorrow. So it's a team sport, and, and, and thank God Carl Anthony Towns has a good team behind him. Because if they had lost this game, the momentum would have been in New Orleans' favor. And that might have been a scary situation. So I just want to mention that because, like, I'm expecting Carl Anthony Towns at some point to break out. And not just in the regular season, Clark. We need this in the playoffs. We need this in big games, meaningful games. He should be an MVP candidate with the numbers that he's consistently been able to pull up, pull, put up and how well he shoots from three at his position. He shoots over forty percent from three, and he's seven, nearly seven feet. With post game decent defense, very good skill set, the mental is what I'm worried about, and that game showed me he's mentally weak still. So, once he figures that out, and you know, having Pat Bev on your team helps a little bit, but once he figures that out, then that's when I that's 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 when I think we'll see him take the next step, and I'm hoping we see that in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it, it's tough to watch as one of the better, more talented players in the league just kind of not really live up to the hype, live up to the standard that he has for his skill set. It's it it's sad. I mean, the negative 14 plus minus for him, that's mm-hmm. it's bad for one of your better players. I mean, luckily he got the double ditch. Otherwise, maybe they would be playing in that next game against the Pelicans because – yeah, just like you said, without Russell getting 29, Edwards with 30, uh, even Beverly getting 7-11. and He out-rebounded the guy that should be out-rebounding you.
1: Yeah, and how many rebounds did Carl Anthony Towns have? had five. That's – come on, man. Like, come, that's, come, that's what I'm saying. Come on, man. And I hate to rag on him when they won the game, but come on, man. When I watched it, he should have been the best player on the floor. No – no – no – Disrespect to Paul George, but come on, man. We ice. We're expecting not just me. We're expecting so much more, and I've yet to see him do it in a big game. So he, they got Memphis, good, very good young matchup that should really be a lot of fun because those are the two highest scoring teams in in the league, I believe, at least in the Western Conference. I know Minnesota's number one. I believe Memphis is number two, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, that's I'm I'm at this point. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. So uh, the Clippers, man, one thing I'll say about them, that's a really good ball club over there. And, again, I'm just thoroughly impressed with what Ty Lue's been able to do. Uh, The chips were not in his favor, to be honest with you. I'm surprised they're above 500. let alone the AFC in the West. So I, I, I have a feeling they handle business against the Pelicans. But C.J. McCollum looks good. Brandon Ingram looks good. And Zion Williamson is hiding in the shadows, Clark. <laughs> That's a lot of shadows. Them, hey, I'm serious. Did you see the 360 dunk in the pregame? Yeah, but how many points does that get you? It, it, points doesn't matter right now. You <laughs> just, just need to see that he's well. In the last couple videos that we've seen, he's with the team, and he's been well. You now have a veteran on the team, and C.J. McCollum. Who don't forget played with Dame for about eight years. That mentality that C.J. McCollum is going to bring to this team. I'm not saying he's Dame Lillard, but let's not let's let's like let's not sugarcoat it. That was one of the best combos in the league for a while, and it was because of the leadership and the and their attitude for the most part, along with how well both of them can score. So you bring that to this team along with Devontae Graham along, along with Jackson Hayes and Zion Williamson shows up in the playoffs, if you make it, I'm not saying they're going to beat Phoenix. I don't think they're going to beat Phoenix. But having Zion changes that series just a little bit. Instead of a sweep, I'm honestly thinking five or six. If they can if they can play cohesive. If it's sloppy and everything, it's going to be a sweep. But we'll see how that goes between the Clippers and the Pelicans here next game. Um, I'm sure that's the late game on... Um, uh on friday tomorrow night so that'd be something to tune into um i'm going to be watching that game and then clark we'll just briefly mention the other one man atlanta charlotte was just a it was it was a blowout nothing to really write home about i don't want to talk about miles bridges and in the in in how frustrated he was because all (laughs) of that was strictly out of frustration it's not worth my time man I mean, what he did was unacceptable. I mean, it was—he's arguing a to call. That's clearly a to call. He was just mad. He wanted to get ejected after he got the first tee, got teed up. Second, the second tee came immediately. He's off the court, and then kind of had a little flare up in the tunnels. Just keep it pushing, dog. is—I'm is, not—we're not gonna talk about it, Clark. We're just gonna keep it pushing. We're gonna move that along. They're fishing now. They're at home with everybody else. Just that we just like we thought, like, let's not get it twisted. They were definitely the underdog in that matchup, even though they had the same record. That's Trey Young we're talking about. And he didn't even have that much of a game, but his stamp was on the game. And that's that's essentially what it was. Um and they're just a little bit better. Especially having no Gordon Hayward for Charlotte. They're just a little bit better. Um and then the other game, the Pelican Spurs, again, we just got to see how special those two, Ingram and, and McCullum can be. And I'm very excited for what that team can do next year, really. That's why I'm happy to see Zion healthy. Not so much this year, but more so next year. Yeah, if he
0: can definitely turn things around, maybe have a little bit more of a uh, a better mentality about being a professional. Yeah, that yeah. team's the skill set's there. There's no question. It, it really just comes down to getting that cohesive unit to play together as a team, just to see if things how things could play out, depending on how far they want to go. Very similar to the conversation we had about, uh, car Anthony towns. The, s- the skills are there. It's just, we need you to have a professional mindset of you are the guy to go to. And, uh, when you get drafted number one overall, like towns did like Zion Williamson did, there's an expectation there, regardless if you want it or not. Right. Uh, it's there. And you've, you've known that since the youngest days of your childhood, when you knew you were the best of the best, uh, but we'll see how things play out. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, first-round matchups. Name a couple for the people that you're most excited to watch.
1: Um, we talked about two. The two seven matchups in both conferences actually should be exciting. Uh, Memphis against, the, um, against Minnesota in the West. Again, the two top-scoring teams in the league. Um, ja Morant, who's now a, a superstar in my eyes. Anthony Towns, who was, a, uh, who, was, who was, I mean, a borderline superstar. D'Angelo Russell, hell of a player, hell of a scorer. Uh, you got Desmond Bain over there in Memphis, three-point specialist, along with some good defense. Eh, I shouldn't say specialist. He does have a very good all-around game. There's got Dylan Brooks back. Um, I'm expecting a lot from Jaron Jackson this offseason. This is the this is now, I think, his third or fourth year in the league. I'm expecting him to kind of have a very good series. Um, and then... The one, I'm, the one I had to say for last man is becoming one of my favorite players to watch. And that's Anthony Edwards. Um, that kid is a beast, Clark. Like, I'm I'm sitting here. I, I feel like the whole this show should be the Anthony Edwards show, this episode. I just keep talking about the kid. Like, he's that good to me, though. He really is. And I and I and I think his peak is extremely high. And I just I don't know what's next. I'm just I'm just gonna wait and see. But um, yeah, I think. One thing I'll say is that young teams in the playoffs can be upset. Why is this? Because old teams in the playoffs can be upset. <laughs> it's plain and simple, Clark. Anybody can be upset. We've seen 1-8 upsets in the NBA playoffs. We've seen 2-7 upsets in the NBA playoffs. It's not a 116, 16 2-15 kind of thing. And Memphis is not your usual two seed. They are the best, the second best team in the West. I completely agree with that. But they're young. And they're not quite proven yet. And other than John Morant, a lot of those guys do have a lot to prove. They're very good in the regular season. And they were pretty good last year. And, yes, they do have a little bit of playoff experience from the from last year as well, which will help them. But the, the, that Minnesota team is, is very good, and it will predicate on if Carl Anthony Towns can dominate this series down low. If he can, this series will probably be a little bit longer than expected. Um, And then the 2-7 matchup. I believe Brooklyn was actually the favorites opening up as soon as they had won the playing game. That has now flipped from what I understand. And Clark, we have news. The Shadows. Remember we talked about the Shadows with Zion? Guess who else is in the Shadows right now?
0: I'm, I'm Assuming is a player from the Nets.
1: You better believe it's a player from the Nets. And who might that player be? Uh, uh,
0: sadly, it is escaping. Uh, who is that said
1: player? Oh, I know it's on the tip of your tongue. Just got <laughs> traded, man. We've been waiting. All season, we've been waiting. Uh, I, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, it's got to be on the tip of your tongue. It's Ben Simmons. Yes, we're waiting on Ben Simmons. The report, Clark, is that he will be—he will—he is aiming to play game four. That changes a lot for me. You get any kind of Ben Simmons on the floor, it's an upgrade. Because let's be honest, Brooklyn's not deep. That's going to be a pretty good matchup. I personally have Brooklyn winning even before getting that news. With that news, just makes me a little bit more confident in my pick. And I'm thinking this will go about six or seven. It's going to be a long series. I'm not sure what I've, how 100% how I feel about it yet because I'm not sure if Robert Williams will actually be playing starting game one. He's also lurking in the shadows, if you will. Um, he very well may be back for game one, but there's a lot of speculation. Same thing with Ben Simmons, a lot of speculation. But again, as those teams are currently constructed with the injuries that they currently have, I still have Brooklyn winning. Um, but yeah, those, those two matchups Clark are probably my most exciting, uh, coming up here. And then the, the, if I had to pick a third one, it's definitely going to be the, uh, the Dallas, Utah matchup. Uh, that's make or break for Utah. And that's, that's something that Dallas desperately wants. Luca's gone home. This would, if he loses in the first round, it'd be three years straight losing in the first round. Um, Utah's made it out the first round only once. And obviously, we know what's underlying there. We talked about it on a few shows prior. So,
0: Yeah, it's definitely one of those matchups. I could even see like the Golden State-Denver matchup being an interesting one. Uh, just because if Golden State can't produce, especially if Clay is not the Clay that we know uh, and love from years past. Uh, mm-hmm. Joker and Company? mm mm-hmm. Could pull off that first-round upset. Might make that series worth a watch. Um, but yeah, definitely both the 2-7 matchups, definitely definitely ones to watch as well. Um, actually, I want to stick with the NBA right now, because uh, we mentioned his name earlier. And I wanted to get your opinion on him real quick, because uh, he, after the game was won, he kind of went off and just kind of said a bunch of things, got fined $30,000 for it. Um, kind of, it kind of looked like they just won the NBA championship the way he was running around, but am I missing something? Is Patrick Beverly all right? Is he doing okay?
1: Um, I, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine, man. It was overkill. Yes. I loved the TNT play the, uh, first shining moment. Um, when they, when they played them celebrating after the game. It was overkill for sure, but the, the 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 thing is though is that he really wanted to beat the Clippers, and then secondly, I couldn't tell. The game. I, <laughs> I'm just saying, man, that's really what it was. He was so happy that he beat the Clippers, and then he said he had the performance or had the yeah it was a performance. He had he had it planned prior. If they had won, he knew what he was going to do. I was like, man, I, that's why for me it was a bit overkill. It's like you know I get it, but. It's just, it was too much. It was too much. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like, um, I don't know. I I guess we're, I guess we're somewhat okay with it because Pat Beverly, like I could never see, for instance, if somebody were to trade, like if the Lakers were to trade LeBron and he goes to another team in the West and then they put them out of the play like that. LeBron's not standing on no table. He's going to have something to say, but he ain't standing on no scores table.
0: Yeah. I mean, Patrick's always been a high energy type player. So, Uh, You kind of half expect some of this, but definitely to your point, there was a line kind of jumped over that quite a bit, uh, Mm -hmm. but he definitely very much enjoyed it. And obviously, again, I didn't watch any of the game, but seeing the highlights, seeing people talk about it on Facebook and social media platforms of him just running around, throwing F-bombs galore. It's like, oh, okay. Um, now, granted, in that same game, we also had an Animal Rights activist. She tried to glue her hand to the floor. Yeah. Uh, not sure what that was all about. Obviously, I don't know if the Timberwolves, if the mascot is an actual Timberwolf. Uh, if they're abusing that in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't know if she was hoping that Minnesota would allow them to change the mascot to maybe the Minnesota things or squares or circles. Uh, but it was very interesting to see uh, a handprint of glue stuck on the floor. Uh, you know, you think she used like gorilla glue, you know? I'm not sure what
1: glue she used. Did that ever come out?
0: <laughs> I don't think it ever did, but it was quite comical. Cause I mean, no matter what glue you use, it, it takes some time to cure. And, again, the event staff's not going to just let her sit there. It's like, okay, about 10, 15 minutes from now, now you can try and remove my hand. And it was quite comical. I mean, it's not something that you see every day. It's kind of like a streaker in sports, you know. You don't see it every day. But at least streakers have, like, a long history of, like, okay, we've seen it, done it, and it happens from time to time. This one's definitely different this one's out there so i don't know what the It was weird yeah the story behind it that i it doesn't really matter at this point uh again you be you but at this point uh, there's other ways to get your message across besides gluing your hand to a floorboard which i mean they're gonna remove the floor anyway right
1: yeah it didn't it it made no sense clark it was uh foolish um (laughs) it was selfish um yeah, man. It's just like do that elsewhere. This is not the platform. Like what? Okay, so now so, so let's let's put it like this, Clark. Now what is she gonna do? She's gonna go, she's gonna use this to her advantage on social media. You're known as the chick that glued her glued her hand to the floor, bro. <laughs> it's it's over. Like that's that's what you're known for. Like no one cares about anything else at this point. You've now made yourself the infamous chick at the Minnesota playing game that glued her hands to the floor in the middle of the game like that's it so i I mean like are you going to come out on social media say who you are and try to use this to your advantage i mean it's not gonna work but i mean i I would
0: but my glue my hands glued to the floor so i can't type
1: yeah like exactly what are you doing (laughs) like what are you it was foolish extremely foolish and 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 like you said not the right place this is not the right place
0: yeah, I mean, everybody's going to look at you and just, like, okay, that's cool, and get removed from the, it. It's just, you know, you see all the fights in the NFL now amongst fans. You did great. You did awesome. You made one great punch. and right. Phenomenal. Good job. Uh, uh, another interesting story that I've seen pop up on Facebook is that, uh, jumping over to the NFL, Mr. Floyd Money Mayweather offering NFL teams $20 million to allow – Antonio Brown to be signed oh my gosh is 20 million enough is that what <laughs> is, that the, is that the problem I mean oh wow no what's the it's... number let's say if you're 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 an owner of a team whatever regardless of what team you really need a receiver what's what's the number what's the number that you have to have and say you know what I would consider it
1: Wow, the number for the... the, the oh, wow, gosh. Yeah, uh, how much money
0: you want from Floyd to say, you know what, I'll consider it. For the, the headache that is known as Antonio Brown.
1: Okay, so I'm going to just go through this real quick. He's played with the Steelers. Yep. He's played with the Bucks. He's played with the Pats. He was on the Raiders. What other organization is like so strong in their identity from the owner, front office down, that can handle him. Well, hell, I just named three of them. There's none, there's no others. Maybe the Ravens, but hell no. Maybe the Niners, but hell no. What money am I asking from Floyd? I mean, this is a boxer that's made, you know, Hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe yeah, millions. and it's Floyd. Yeah, I, I think I need fifty. You're only going to go to fifty. I, I wouldn't say only necessarily. But 50. <laughs> think about what fifty a year can do for you. Add that to my salary cap. Damn it! And think about who I can go get now. <laughs> that's how. That's what I'm. That's how I'm looking at this. Or what coach can I pay? Can I give this? Can I give? Forty of forty million of this to Bill Belichick to come coach him, because that's the only coach that I think can tame him. Or do I give it to Mike Tomlin, who is also the only co- only other coach that I think can tame him? Bruce Arians doesn't coach anymore, and, and I mean he walked out on him. <laughs> You're not wrong, because I mean no young coach is going to be able to handle him. Maybe, the, I, and you know what? And I would love to say the Chiefs, but I think as great as Pat Mahomes is. I think he has to be older to handle that. I think it has to be a vet. Like it has to be a Brady quarterback, like an old veteran, very good quarterback. And there's Brady is the only one really left in the league. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Those are the only two left in the league that really fits that bill. I guess you could say Matt Stafford to a degree, but let's be honest. How many more receivers do they freaking need? Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, man. It's just to be honest with you, bro, just to keep it real. Like, If I'm an NFL team, I just don't want him anymore. There's a lot of other receivers, and the receiving position in the NFL is fairly deep. Um, I just don't see the reason to have him (laughs) on my team at all. I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense, right? Like, I think his career's done. See, I'm kind of interested
0: that you said only 50, because the first number that popped in my head when I first saw this, if I'm a GM, yeah, the first number that came to me was add a zero to that, and then I'll consider it. Oh wee Give me $200 million, Oh Ooh-wee. And then we'll talk, because again, you have a player that, yes, the skill set may or may not still be there. We don't know what's going on with the ankle, because according to him, he's not going to get surgery until he's actually signed with the team, which makes all the sense in the world. And even you don't know when he's going to blow up. You don't know when he's going to run shirtless off the field and have to deal with it or does something else or hits somebody. You don't know. You just don't know. So, yes, $200 million. And then I will I will consider it at that point because all the negative PR that's going to come from that. At least I have, let's say, even if I spend a $50 million on him. I have $150 million more to say, you know what, I can can withstand the negative PR to deal with that now. But, yeah, I'm no—I mean, it would have to be an absurd amount of money in order for me to consider. Because, like you said, I mean, we've got this receiving class coming in via the draft that's deep and talented. I'll take any one of those over dealing with Antonio Brown.
1: All day, man all day it's it's uh yeah i just i can't have him on my team and like yeah there's just it, i didn't even get to the draft i'm glad you brought that up like that exactly there's even more there it's just it's not it's not necessary at this point it's really not um and i don't know clark I, I, do you think he's finished i think he's finished Do you think he's finished the
0: skill set i think is still viable i don't think he's to the point where he can't physically do it anymore because he can maybe not to the the younger extent that we saw in Pittsburgh I think that's well and gone but he can definitely be a good enough role player I think he can play better than let's say like an AJ Green that just signed a one-year contract with the Cardinals again I agree uh, he can I, I th- he can outproduce him
1: uh so I he can out- production wise he's probably in a, a two or three on any given team right yeah I mean he can definitely produce and help you with
0: any one of those teams. The problem is the mentality. It's the maturity. It's the more than likely, I'm just going to go out on a limb, that probably there's some type of CTE situation going on. Unless this is just truly all Antonio Brown, which is even scarier in my mind. Uh, But something is going on there, and that's the problem. But I think physically, skill set-wise, he can produce for anybody. it yeah. just comes down to how many games this is. A, it's weird because you might have like a player that is an injury prone type player. You're like, OK, we can get like a Christian McCaffrey. We're going to get five or six great games, at least in the last couple of years. We're going to have great games when he plays. Oh, my goodness. We're probably going to win those games. But how many games is he going to play all year? You have right. to ask that question. We really don't know, especially for fantasy purposes. We both play fantasy football. We really don't know what that answer is. So do we really want to take a first-round chance on him early on? Like, that's the question. This is different where the mental, it's just the mentality. How many games is he going to, con- to produce at a good level before – If any. Yeah, before we have to kick him off the team or he yeah. quits or something else happens to where – We have to, you know, suspend him because now we have to deal with that type of issue that becomes a distraction for the team. (sighs) Yeah, 200 million is my mark. Uh, You at 50 million, that's that's bold, in my opinion. But for me, I'm so far gone on that. Uh, I'll gladly take an unproven rookie that may take a year or two.
1: Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't blame you for asking for that much money. Um, I really don't, and yeah, I am totally fine with you asking for that much money because you you know the headache that's coming along with it. I mean, I, I mean that's that's it, it's a it's a problem. It's a problem, and I don't know how deep rooted that problem is either, man. I I feel like it is, and I just don't want him to be enabled either, and I feel like he is somewhat being enabled. Uh, we've seen him with Kanye, we've seen him with uh Floyd, and you know, and other other celebrities too, and it's just like all right, that's cool. You can have your fun. You ain't on no team or whatever. And I'm totally fine with it. But like now they're vouching for you to come back to the lease. Like, nah, bro, you've, you've, you've shown essentially at four different times in the, in your career. that It's just not going to work. First, yeah. it was how you left the Steelers and then it was the Raiders. And then it was the Pats. And then here you are now. And is it happened again with the bucks? And it's just like, bro, like, you know, when are you ever going to get it? Like, especially the teams like just you played under Brady twice and you played with under Belichick and Mike Tomlin for crying out loud. And you still like are are like this, like no one else can handle that. Right. You mean like you can't go. I mean, I don't know. Just keep just we can go down to any kind of list that you want to. Like there's no team that has a coach or organization that has time to deal with that man or that needs to deal with that because they need somebody like him that bad. There's just no one out there. And until he can actually like prove that he's on the up and up, you know he won't get to me. He he won't get another shot as even even like we talked about with the production wise. So um, I don't know. Very interesting. I like the analogy that you use with McCaffrey as well. Just because like a, a injured or injury prone player is different because you know you're gonna get something out of them. And also with running backs, you know you can use a dual back lineup and not have to use McCaffrey as often as. Carolina does. So there's there's definitely room for that with an injury prone player versus somebody who just it's completely irrational and it's un it's uh, um you can't uh you can't predict it. It's unpredictable. Yeah. And I mean, it's very spontaneous like it's just it's 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 that's bad, man. Like you can't rely on that at all.
0: Yeah, I mean the league kind of learned their lesson, should have learned their lesson with the Josh Gordon situation. Right. Where, again, super talented, but I don't know how many games I'm going to have him on my roster before he gets this minute again.
1: That's I, why he I, never really I, saw I, the field with the Chiefs either. Like, you know, but that's Anthony uh, – uh, what's your name? Uh, Antonio Brown is not going to take a deal like Josh Gordon will. Josh Gordon will take the minimum to give it a shot because he knows his track record, right? right. And I think Josh Gordon's heart is in the right place. His head a lot of times is just – it's not. And I don't know where it is now, and I hope it's in a good place because at right. times it has been, and he that's why he is able to be reinstated. And he does do the things necessary to be reinstated. It's just the fact that he's been in and out the league so much, I don't see him ever getting footing again. But the, the issue, the difference between him and Antonio Brown is I can truly and honestly say that he was trying. Mm-hmm. And I think most people can as well. It's just when you have a problem, you have a problem. It's very similar to how someone is uh, like an, an, an addict and they relapsed, right? Essentially that's the, what he goes through. What Antonio Brown is doing is completely just bad behavior. Right. It's not somebody that's going through mental, men, men, you know, some mental, uh, uh, what do you, I wouldn't say illness, but some things mentally and also having this, this the, these other things to kind of use to cope with and then relapsing, right? And then, getting clean and coming back again and completing a program being reinstated and hope somebody gives them a shot and then they do and then he, he again last time he just pulled himself away actually and entered the program again that's what I like to see and if the NFL is just not going to work for you take care of yourself man and I, and I can truly say that's what Josh Gordon's been trying to do Antonio Brown's not
0: yeah I mean at this point you've made enough money Either get right, which hopefully that could happen. But at this point, just enjoy your life. Go out there <laughs> right. and, and just enjoy it while you're young and and just have a great time doing it. And I think, yeah, I really do hope the best for anyone in those situations. But as for NFL, your career is likely over at this point unless things, massive changes happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, I just don't see it happening. But uh, next little tidbit from this week, which is honestly mind-boggling. I, I'm sure you saw a little bit of this. Maybe you saw a lot of this. I don't know. Uh, Mr. Clayton Kershaw made his season debut just the other day. Um, he threw seven perfect innings. Didn't give up a single hit. Had 13 strikeouts. Had 80 pitches thrown, which is a pretty small amount for that many innings. Gets pulled. Yeah. Didn't even get a chance to do a perfect game. Two yep. relievers combined for one hit given up, so it's a one-hit shutout combined, wow. which is great and all, but eighty pitches you get pulled out. It, what?
1: Yup. Good old analytics for you. <sighs> analytics are going to ruin the sport. Analytics is, and I'm, and and you're starting to see it in basketball. And, and basketball is a, a slightly different, um, but let's be honest, the product now is just not quite as exciting because of the analytics, um, especially more so in baseball. It, this, it just doesn't – I mean, I don't get it. It's so early in the season. It was only 80 pitches like you mentioned. Like, I mean, I'm not saying go out there and kill yourself. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> We're just saying, like, it's just two more innings, bro. Like, let's see if he can do it. And say if he gets up two hits, like, are you still going to lose the game? He's had seven innings of nothing. And in the eighth inning, if you're starting to see his arm get weak, batters are starting to hit, that's when you pull him. You don't pull him just because. But the analytics say pull him. So what do GMs do? They pull him.
0: Yeah, he came out and was asked about it and stated that uh... – you know, blame it on the lockout, blame it on uh, the COVID situation, whatever. He says he wasn't quite 100% just because of the shortened uh, prep time for the season. But regardless, opener, bro. I mean, I if that. you're not ready, then I'm not sure why you're starting. But if you're throwing 13 Ks in seven innings on 80 pitches, very super efficient. Um, right. Not much laboring going on now. Granted, I was trying to play devil's advocate. I was thinking, I didn't watch any of the game. I was like, maybe, just maybe, the sixth and seventh inning, he threw 40 pitches combined, just a, more of an extreme situation where half of his pitches came in the last two innings just laboring through them and just got unlucky and getting foul balls left and right, and the, the balls that did get hit were hardly hit, just right at people. Okay, maybe, sure. Maybe instead of throwing, you know, that beautiful 12-6 curveball that he has, it's more of a, you know, right down the middle, no movement kind of curveball. But you got to give him a chance. Mm -hmm. Give him a chance. If the very first hitter he has in the eighth inning gets up the hit, guess what? Now you can pull him and nobody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to say a word. They're going to say, you know what? You did great. Now, granted, the pitcher stood, should still be upset at that point because, like, I'm still trying for a shutout, which is a rarity, if not almost an impossibility at this day and age in baseball. And we've talked about that before in the record show, of just the amount of shutouts, just the opportunities are just basically not there. I mean, where does he have to be? Does he have to be, you know, 25 pitches through seven innings? Is that good enough to keep him in? Uh... Maybe just, you know, 21 pitches. You know, the very minimum. He throws three pitches an inning. Maybe that will give him the chance.
1: Humor me a little bit, Clark. Let me ask you this. Would it hurt or help the game if a pitcher is subbed out and he's able to get back in? At this point,
0: based on how they're how they train, how they're done. Would it help or hurt the game? Eh, I don't think it would either way. I mean, you'd be fine if you wanted to sub sub them back in. They would honestly never go for it because just like the Yankees this year, they brought in 16 pitchers on their rotation. Or not just the rotation, but on their roster. 16 of them. I mean, they're like... Covering every single analytical opportunity that they have of lefty versus lefty, righty versus righty, this pitcher versus this hitter is a better thing. Like, no. But do you want to bring him back in? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to complain if Shohei Otani comes back in after an innings rest.
1: Yeah, I, I just kind of throw that out there because, and I, and I, and I, in the, in his situation, Kershaw's, I I would like to see him complete the entire game and just and have a complete game. Now, where the caveat is, is say you you have your best pitcher out there. Say it's a bigger game. Say a, you know something to not so much clinch, but say you're in a playoff race and you need wins, or you know you're in a playoff series. Obviously, you need wins. Um, I feel like it may bring another element to the game of. You know, say your best pitcher comes out, he pitches the first four innings. You saw throughout the last couple four innings, it's not quite, you know, say say first inning, he got his juices flowing, second inning, third inning, fourth inning, he's still fine. Hypothetically, we'll say fifth inning. You start to see him get hit on a little bit. Pull him out. And again, this is your best pitcher in your roster. Say it's oh, you're up one in the ninth. I would love to see that guy come back that's kind of where i'm alluding to where you have somebody like kershaw say he was having a great game but you want to give him a little bit of a break for the end of the game i don't think kershaw would be opposed to that um coming out and then finishing the game because i mean let's be real if you're a competitor that's kind of what you want to do the only thing that may hold me back and clark this is the where my lack, lack of deep, deep knowledge on baseball kind of may hinder me a little bit with this. But it, the only thing that I would think that may be a caveat or an obstacle, I feel like pitchers get in a rhythm, and I think if you take yep. them out and put them back in, they may not be in the same rhythm. Am I right in saying that?
0: Yeah, that would... Exactly what I was thinking is... The, okay. the problem is, more often than not, I would imagine that these pitchers, once they get into a nice rhythm, they don't want to come out. Um. Now, some of them may run into a little bit of trouble, and I'm sure they would be more than happy to come out after giving, you know, a two-run bomb that ties the game and then come back a little bit later in your scenario. But when pitchers get into that rhythm and, you know, all of a sudden – because some of them, just like uh, Justin Verlander, is a phenomenal late-game pitcher. He is terrible in the early innings. But once he gets going and he actually throws harder as the innings go along – he is much better in the later game. So if he can get things – if he can get early outs, he'll probably last most of the game. But that's kind of where most pitchers are is just once they get into that rhythm, they don't want to come out. And then get that. the problem is it's just – you. the problem with it is you would have to change the entire system of how every all these pitchers work out and get warmed up because typically they get the arm warmed up. They keep it going. And then once it's iced, like they're done, it's hard to get it back warmed up and get back to what you were pitching to earlier. So I some it. pitchers can old school pitchers have absolutely no problems doing that because the way they were raised was you throw, you throw. I know you're tired, but keep throwing because that's how you to <laughs> keep doing it. I don't care. Muscle memory. Yeah. Whereas the newer ones are much like uh, most of the closers now is we just need three outs. We need you to come in, we want you to be super hot, ready to go, and then that's it. And then if you, we have to go into an extra inning, we more than likely pull you out because we really your arm's only you know designed to get three outs. Which, I mean, that's the unfortunate side of baseball nowadays, is because most of these players, when they were in high school, I guarantee you, throwing nine innings was nothing. But right. you have a much younger arm at that point, whereas now just the way that they're trained the way that they're pushed the way that like i said the yankees having so many relievers all they want out of their pitching staff is just five or six innings get me six innings somewhat of a lead and then i can bring in relievers for the next 600 years
1: which and, analytics wise it makes sense i guess because you because you you're rolling with fresh pitchers all game it's probably this the the um angle behind it and, and i get that point but back to kind of where we're with the Kershaw thing, man, it's it's we're taking away from, you know, a great moment. And that's what kind of sports yes. are is, you know, we remember sports really for the great moments. Like there's some years where Clark, if I asked you, you know, who won the championship in, you know, 2000 or whatever, you might know. But you'll probably what's going to stick with you more is whatever was the best memory from that year was. Um just plain and simple. Um, like for instance, I'm a Bronco fan, so this one kind of is closer to me. But like, no one remembers a blowout Super Bowl when you lost 43 to eight to the Seahawks. But I remember Peyton Manny breaking the record for most touchdowns in the season. Like, that's just you get what I'm saying. Like, we remember right. stuff like that versus you know, you know. I honestly, I wouldn't say unforgettable games, but you know, say big games that are lackluster or. You know, just who won that year. Nah, like I just remember, like, for instance, I know in the 90s, early 2000s, it was about home runs. And I remember the historic race between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I can't tell you who won that year. I really can't. I don't I have can. a clue. I definitely
0: it,
1: can See, and, again, <laughs> again, and, I, and that's me so more being a casual baseball fan versus, right. like you said, somebody that watches the game and follows it. Like same thing with basketball, vice versa for us, is I know you know basketball and I know you know players and I know you know teams and I know you remember moments, but I can tell you who won in nineteen, you know, eighty-four or eighty-five or whatever. You might not be able to. You can have a guess because basketball has like, you know, longer dynasties etc., et cetera, whatever you want to say, but I'll remember that year who won MVP, who won, you know what I'm saying, like the, the right. championship versus somebody that nod like the 80s was magic bird that's what that's what most people remember or that's what people are going to take away from that so that's that's the issue that i have with the analytics in baseball and what happened to kershaw i think we saw it happen a couple times last year as well i get those were later in the season i remember those happen not like super late but you know they're probably 100 games in but this is you know we're in week two right is this week two
0: now for baseball yeah roughly we're about seven games in
1: yeah so you know that it's early i mean like you can have gaps in his next start if you want to you know you can you can rest them up a little bit longer you know so to me the having pitched two more innings and you know he only pitched 80 and you needed what six more outs we'll say hypothetically we know that's that's 18 strikes not saying you're going to strike everybody out you know, you might get a pot fly here. You might get a ground out. You might some, you know, have somebody go deep into pitch counting. You get them, you know, stuff like that. So, it, you know, let's say he finished the game with 105 pitches. Is that really ridiculous?
0: Not for a player of his caliber. No, 105 is is pretty nice. I mean, in this day and age, kind of. I mean, it's it's more much more of a rarity. But even in Ver- Justin Verlander starts, not that long ago, he was. They're on 120 pitches in an outing, right. but exactly. every pitcher is built a little bit differently. Kershaw can easily handle a hundred plus pitches. He's done it probably multiple times in his career. If I had to guess, yeah. uh, but there was one thing that popped up on Facebook just to finish this off was obviously players being built a little bit differently. And I'm not going to say that Kershaw, that was his decision. It was more of an analytics point. Uh, but back in 1919, I know that year. Well, uh, based on some historians, uh, Mr. Ray Caldwell, if you know that name, I know you don't, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> from the Cleveland Indians, uh, he was pitching that day and, uh, he was pitching and all of a sudden he got struck by lightning right in the middle of the game. Holy smoke. Uh, uh got struck by lightning. He had to be resuscitated. He got resuscitated, finished pitching the game. No way. Pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, 17 days later through a no hitter after being struck by lightning, 17 days prior.
1: What?
0: Yeah, it it was different back in them days. Again, we've done that with records and talked about just the silliness of what was early baseball. But, yeah, the guy got struck by lightning. In today's age, a small little blister on your finger and you're out. Back in those days, small little blister and you're pitching another eight innings. It doesn't really matter.
1: Struck by lightning, you're finishing the game.
0: Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I mean,
1: you didn't die. All right, let's go.
0: Yep, just you're what? good.
1: Yeah, that's insane, and especially like you said, seventeen days later, yeah, it was same. a, a no hitter.
0: Yep, threw no hitter seventeen that's days insane.
1: later. That's insane. I wonder how many pitches he threw. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: threw quite a bit, and then of course the following year in nineteen twenty helped the Indians win a World Series. So uh, again, much different era, much different style of baseball. Obviously, the only. The only kind of highlight that we're seeing, or the only kind of comparison that we're seeing from the old days to the new days is Mr. Shohei Otani. Obviously being one of only two players all time to have at least, I think the stat is at least, uh, I think it's 20 home runs and 10 strikeouts in a single season.
1: Favorite player right now. Uh,
0: It's either 20 and 10 or 10 and 10. I'm not 100%, I can't remember that first number. But yeah, there's only two players. They each did it twice. And obviously Shohei has done it twice. And the other guy, some guy named Babe Ruth. I I, I saw his name in the book somewhere. It was weird.
1: Uh, I saw his name in the store today. got a candy bar.
0: It's true. Maybe that's where he got his name from. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I digress. But yeah, there's if you want to watch somebody that plays the game and they change the rules for him, something that hasn't happened in the sport for quite, uh, maybe ever. It's been a, quite it. a while. Love it. I mean, this is like, you see it in NBA from time to time, especially back in the Wilt days and uh, George Mikan days, and they changed the it's... rules because of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: And same thing with Shohei Otani. They're allowing the DH, allowing him to become the DH even after pitching or even allowed a hit as a pitcher because he's Shohei Otani.
1: That's crazy. I love Shohei honey, man. And I, I like the in the NBA you're right. We see that ha- actually we see it happen a lot more recently. A lot of small rule changes have happened uh mm-hmm. because of certain players. I mean, more recently the James Harden rule um where you just can't draw you can't draw these outlandish fouls anymore. Um so yeah, man, it's uh it's interesting, bro, and I, and that's why he's my favorite player right now because Really, just what he brings to the table. Like, we don't, you don't have that right now in baseball. And I think, and I'm hoping that he starts like a a wave or a new era of this. Um, I hope it's an era versus a wave. Um, You know, waves come and go. Air stick around. I I hope this is more so an era thing where you start to see these younger players that, because just to keep it real with you, man, like, I'm a fan of his. And as a kid, I know I would want to be like him. That's one, that's like when I was. Younger, growing up, obviously it was in my era. It was Kobe, Iverson, and then when I got older, it became like LeBron and Dwayne Wade, and that's who you wanted to really like. That's who that's who I wanted to play like was more so more so than anybody. And I tell everybody this, even though Kobe was my favorite player, Dwayne Wade was who I wanted to model my game after personally, after I you know got to see him play mid or early to mid into the late two thousands throughout my middle school and high school years and as these other kids that are coming up that are you know 10 11 12 13 plus right now that's who i think they're looking at along with say the mike trout to the world and whatnot and and really like you know i'm gonna say emulating them but wanting to do the things that they can do and understanding also how valuable that is if you're able to do those things um I mean, he kind of fills two positions, and in in, in in, like you said, they had to change the rules to allow that to happen. And now with that rule change, I feel like you'll see more more players that are up and coming do that. I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see prospects that are, you know, they're – I don't know even what you call these guys. I know in football, we call them – they're listed as athletes or basketball players. They're listed as guard forwards or point forwards and whatnot. I, I don't know exactly what we want to call this here, but <laughs> – um you know i'm totally fine with you know the the the, basically it's almost like a new position that used to be but this version of baseball that we have now it's it feels brand new and it's refreshing it really is and it's it's drawing me back in personally because i'm i'm a casual baseball fan i will watch games um and i'm more so a late i also lock in a little bit in the late season and postseason. i really enjoy um, uh, but having this in the game, and I think if I see more of this, I'm, uh, that's, that's just kind of, that's going to draw me back in personally. And I know there's a group of people that probably feel the same way. Um, you know, I know my, this, this opinion that I have personally isn't, I'm sure other people share the same sentiment. I don't know how many, but I guarantee it's a good chunk of people. I don't, I wouldn't say minority or majority or whatever, but I just think it's going to, it's a good chunk of people that would like to see that. And I think it will draw them at least somewhat back into the sport. Um, I saw recently the Reds had like the lowest stadium attendance that they've had. And it was like 10,000, a little bit over 10,000. And it's like, I just, I know how much more people can fit in that stadium. And that was sad to see, honestly. And it kind of tells you where baseball is right now.
0: Yeah. And we'll, we'll end on this. Cause yeah, I mean, definitely when it comes to those type of players, they're athletes, they're absolutely. And, the sad part is it's going to be an uphill battle against the analytics, because that's what's driving baseball right now, obviously. And really, these other teams, like the smaller market teams, should be the ones looking for these type of players to at least. Usually, with the A's, it's usually hey, they'll play for three or four years, and then when they'll do a big contract, they'll go elsewhere. Uh, those are the type of teams should be looking for these type of players, and hopefully. It's a trickle-down effect to see what we see more, maybe more in college, maybe more so, uh, much more so in high school as well. I mean, you see it all the time in you know younger leagues, a pony league, little league, that sort of thing. You have to just because of the number of players that you have, you're going to have a pitcher that also hits and also plays shortstop and also catches. And uh, growing up, I played every single position except for first base because I just was never the tallest or the fattest on the team. It, it just is what it is and so I played every single other position and you go into high school and the best players that played high school were the ones that were great pitchers and great hitters uh, I went up against a guy that went on to play against Georgia he threw 92 mile an hour I saw nine blurs that day uh, he was a dominant pitcher but he also hit 600 in his high school career so he could do both I'm unfortunate thing is when it comes to analytics is the the idea of specialization where you're going to have a lot of people in college and a lot of players i remember playing against ohio state in club baseball and they had a a bullpen of at least i think nine to eleven in the bullpen on club and i i asked somebody and they said well these are pitchers that honestly would probably be playing on the varsity team it's just either they have good stuff but no control or They don't have good stuff, but they have good control with it. They just got to get better. So uh, there's just so many of them. So unfortunately, at least in college ranks, it's going to be pushing more towards the analytics and not allowing these players unless they're just so just amazingly great at what they do, which more more often than not in that scenario, they're going to get drafted to the MLB and go straight to the MLB. I really don't think they're going to spend too much time in college. But it has to be a trickle-down effect, starting with the MLB, starting with the Shohei Otanis of the world, showing baseball that, yes, we can pitch and we can hit. They can do both. We don't have to be specialized and just put into a pigeonhole of just, you're just a pitcher, just work on your stuff, or you're just a hitter, just work on your stuff type of mentality. But... We will see as it comes along. Hopefully, Shohei continues to have another phenomenal year, another year of 46 and 100-plus RBI easily, along with 150-plus strikeouts. I think he'll probably win MVP once again. Uh, Fletch, anything else before we uh, close up shop here today?
1: Uh, Yeah, I just want to leave with one last event, and that is one of my favorites, boxing. We have the Errol Spence Jr. versus, excuse me, hold on. How do you say his first name? Your Dennis? Your Dennis? It's Yugus. It's Yugus. It's Spence Yugus. That's what we got coming up this weekend, Clark. We've talked about this a few times over the last two seasons that we've ran. Um, we've been waiting on Crawford Spence. Since we started our podcast, we've seen Spence fight. We've seen Crawford fight. We know these are the two best in this division. We saw Crawford was supposed to fight Manny Pacquiao, and or excuse me, not Crawford, Spence was supposed to fight Manny Pacquiao and was injured. Yugi's filled in, beat Manny Pacquiao, took his belt. Now we have unit, you have a unification, and this is this is this is the fight. This is to me the the number one contender fight to fight against Terence Crawford. I personally am a big Errol Spence junior fan and most people know this. Um, at least at least I know you do since you since you're on the show with me. I <laughs> I always speak highly of Spence. I'm very 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 like I'm highly anticipating this fight. I'm very excited to see this fight this weekend. It is on Showtime Pay-Per-View. Tune in. Um I think this is going to be a very good one. Um you guys is probably going to surprise some people that haven't seen him fight. Um if you have seen him fight, you shouldn't surprise you at all if he wins. And um, I think you'll see probably the one of the closest fights that we've seen Spence in. Um, I think he's only had like one or two split decisions, uh, which aren't which were not that controversial. Uh, most people still believe they even though those split decisions that Spence won. So you know there's no controversy to his undefeated record. And I think this one will be his. This is his biggest test. And then his next fight should be Terrence Crawford. And if it's not, I'll be honest, I'm off the Errol Spence train i hate when boxers duck and dodge and don't take on these fights um especially when you can um floyd kind of irritated me a little bit with that but floyd and pacquiao situation was very understandable knowing their promote knowing how they were promoted um and that's why it was a little bit more understandable why they didn't fight a little bit until the twilight of both really both of their careers and still got a pretty decent fight out of it whereas This situation now with Crawford leaving his promotion, his promoter, and Spence kind of having freedom to do as he pleases to a degree, I don't see why this fight doesn't happen. And if it doesn't, then yes, Spence is running. So I'm excited for this because of the next one that is to come. And I'm hoping Spence wins this so we get to see Spence Crawford like we would like to.
0: Agreed. Yeah, definitely some big fights coming up and we'll keep an eye on them amongst all the other sports. Unfortunately, my Yankees are currently in a rain delay, but that is fine. There's plenty of other baseball to watch. Well, we made it through yet another show here today. Uh, we'll be coming back next week as well. We've got a little bit of NFL draft talk. Obviously, we'll be one week away at that point. Obviously, there is a ton to talk about there. So that will be our topic next week. Uh, As for now, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Hairy Hobo. That's Fletch, and we're out of here.
1: Peace.